0: Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times and more, visit echoeygt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at GT. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message.
1: Good morning, good morning. Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. And I had said in first service, I hope that you got more than just a tie. But in the defense of a tie, I remember, we've been married about 33 years, and I think it was probably about 30 years ago, we took him to get a suit and we got this suit, and we matched it up with the tie, and we got to the register. I about died when they rang up the price of that tie, and it was about the whole price of everything else we were getting with the suit. I had never imagined a tie could be so expensive, but I do hope that all of our fathers got a wonderful gift and happy Father's Day. We do. I I honestly think we do. We do still have that tie, right? You do still have it. It's one of those, it, it, it was shocking how much money it was, and I was too embarrassed to tell him he couldn't get it, so (laughs) I just went ahead and got it. So uh, welcome to June Family Month. It is week three, and in week one, we talked about overcoming the stresses of life and finding peace in the Lord. Last week, we talked about coming together as a family and being salt, Um, and then today, we're going to be talking about persevering through the pain Amen. and we know that persevering is not fun it's it's when we have to endure and we're building that endurance and and having problems within our family is no fun either i think having problems within the family is probably the worst kind of problems that you have because it is right there where you live and it's really the place that you want to be able to have the most amount of peace. And we know that when a family is fractured and it becomes uh, fractured from hurts, pains, Um, or decisions that someone in the family unit has made, whether it's addictions, betrayal, there's a lot of different things, a lot of different problems that our family can go through. And it's during that time that that road can be the the loneliest and the most difficult. Um, Many times uh, there are people that that are waiting for months, weeks, months, years um, for a healing in their family. And it can be a, a very trying time when they're hoping and believing and trusting, um, but where is the answer? And and there's a time of waiting and staying up late at night, um, not knowing where your loved ones are, or uh, a multitude of different emotions that come along with that, and you're hoping and praying, you know, at times that nothing serious has happened, and you're, you know, moms, your minds automatically, you know, you got kids dead in a ditch somewhere when you don't hear from them, and and there's tears sometimes, just, uh, just very troublesome times when you're trying uh, to, to continue and trust and, and hope for the healing and, and putting your trust in the Lord. But today we're going to look at a story in the Bible in Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And here we have a story of a family, a story of a family that's being ripped apart because of uh, self-centeredness, because of money selfishness anger hate and bitterness and much of the same things that did just that will destroy harmony and peace in our homes today we're destroying this home and i have good news though because this is also a story of uh, that love never fails it is a story of god um, being able to do the impossible and healing being available, and the year of a promise. And I'm going to ask Gary if he would read Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32.
0: The Word of God says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. Meanwhile... The older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he told. Your father has killed the fattened calf, we are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and would not go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found.
1: Many times you've heard the story of the prodigal son, and today we want to look at this passage and relate it to us. This passage simply opens with a declaration. There was a man, a man with two sons. It's a typical opening for a book in Luke when, it had, when there is a, a parable. A man here represents you and me. The Holy Spirit is drawing us into this story because the story can be your story. It can be your lives. It can be our homes. And there was a man means this is your house, your home your experience. So are you willing to wait for your miracle to take place? Are you willing to wait for your healing to happen? Waiting is very hard. We live in a fast food society when we're ready, you know, we want something, we go to the the window, we put our order in and they better be as fast as Chick-fil-A because we will be very upset, (laughs) right? It's all about how quick we can get it. But waiting is very difficult. It's a discomfort. Are we willing to do that? Today, we want to take this, par- this parable and bring some parallels to our own lives. We want to take this uh, parable and, and, and have these parallels for typical situations that will happen within our own homes. And we want to broaden um, our interpretation of this passage and see exactly ourselves and our families and our homes in this story and we want to open up our hearts to receive God's instruction for our situations today
0: so when you came in this morning you received your notes and you'll notice the first thing we want to talk about write that that little word me it's a little word but so big when it's all about me. The younger son said to his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. I want mine, what belongs to me. You know what we learn from this? is much hurt is often experienced when we insist on our rights, when we want what is owed to us, when one only looks at what belongs to them. Hurt often follows when we insist on our right, what is owed to us and what belongs to us. Guess what? Conflict is going to arise. See, the younger son made it all about himself. Have you ever noticed that some people have made an art about making it all about themselves? I mean, they're good at it. I mean, the day could be about... A certain individual but before it's over with it's all about them getting the attention because they have to be a part of the center of everything self-centeredness will always bring conflict and will lead to separation of relationships when we insist on a self-centered approach It's gonna bring separation between individuals. Now what you're gonna notice about the story, write the word chase, because the chase begins. The younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. He wasn't satisfied in himself, His world revolved around him, and uh, now he went chasing after what he thought was going to bring satisfaction, what he thought was going to bring something that would make him feel uh, better. See, some people started uh, running a long time ago, and they've never stopped running. If you create the habit of running today, you'll be running all of your life. We run in many ways. Sometimes we run emotionally. Sometimes we run just so we don't have to deal with people in our life. It's what I call all packed up. Let me tell you something I think is so important. You cannot find the solution to the problem when you've already packed up. And you're ready to leave. Say, what do you mean, preacher? Some have packed up mentally. Emotionally, you are done. You've already turned the switch and everything is packed. God is wanting to do a miracle, but you're packed and ready to leave. You have to position yourself for a miracle. And this story, this parable, gives us so many angles to look at. This son had already decided what he was going to do, and he just needed the courage to ask his father, the unbelievable. And guess what? Self-sitterness will cause you to do things like that. It will cause you to ask things that are unbelievable of others. Then he began to run. Some are running emotionally instead of dealing with each other, instead of dealing and talking and bringing health to a situation, you've checked out emotionally. God wants to do a miracle and the miracle is there, but because you're packed up and ready to leave, the miracle may never happen. Some of us need to back up. We need to unpack because there's a miracle in your house. But as long as you have a mental suitcase already packed, the miracle isn't going to happen. And it's not God's fault. God is the God of the impossible. God's a God who will rewrite your story. He's a God who will give you a testimony. But there's something you got to do. you got to unpack and you got to say, I'm ready for you to work in me. I'm ready for you to work in my situation. I'm ready for you to work in my home. And then some have packed up literally. Maybe you decided, you know what, when this day is over with, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. My car is packed, my suitcase is packed, and I am gone It is not time to throw in the towel. It's time to pick up the towel and start walking in humility and service. You remember Jesus, he gave us the example of how to serve. He, the Lord, he, the master. in John 13 begins to wash the disciples' feet. And in verse 17, Jesus says, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. God will bless you for living a servant leadership life. God will bless you if you humble yourself. Now, often we want the blessing without the washing. Now, that'll preach, boy. You need to write that one down. (laughs) Listen, often we want the blessing without the washing. We want the blessing without the work. We want the blessing without the sacrifice. But if you'll begin to sacrifice, if you'll begin to work, you'll begin to see the blessing will follow. Jesus said, blessed are those who know these things and if you do them. Notice his mind was made up. This young man was headed for trouble, but all he could see was what he wanted to see. Let me tell you something in counseling. This is so important. He conditioned himself by his thought processes. I need you to hear this. He conditioned himself because of his thought processes. He wanted what he thought was his. He didn't have a right to it, but he wanted it because his thought processes conditioned him thinking that it's my right to do this. It's my right to have this. He had victimized himself. I'm not the oldest son. I'm not going to get everything, so I want what's mine. My dad is too restrictive. This home life, it's, 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 it's too much for me. I can find what I really want. On the outside. See, he had conditioned himself by thinking negatively, and often we condition ourselves for a train wreck that's about to happen because we are caught in negative thought processes. His mind was made up. But guess what's gonna happen? Write this: the money's gonna run out. Your money. Is going to run out. Your bank account is going to start bouncing some checks. Your emotional bank account is going to start bouncing checks. The good time will end. The emotion will change. Reality will set in. Now hear me. Don't make lasting decisions based on temporary feelings.
1: Point number two. If you're taking notes, write down, wake up wake up in verse 17 through 20 it says when he finally came to his senses he said to himself at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare and here i am dying of hunger i will go home to my father and say father i have sinned against both heaven and you and i am no longer worthy of being called your son please take me on as a hired servant so he returned home to his father in verse 17 it says when he came to his senses the implication here is in this passage is temporary insanity have you ever met somebody that you have said they have lost their mind ever had a child when you said they have lost their mind There are times when we have temporary insanity. We lose our mind. In the message, it said he was so hungry that he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give it to him. That brought him to his senses. When we grew up, we had pigs, and I would not have ever fathomed eating that food that we would feed the pigs, but he was brought to his senses. It took that experience to bring him to his senses. Now the challenge is a lot of times in our families, we're not willing to let our children suffer. We're not willing to let someone suffer in our family. We want to rescue them. We want to help them out of the mess. But a lot of times it takes that experience to have that come to their senses moment often it delays the deliverance that the Lord is trying to do. And and we're not allowing God to bring them to the end of themselves because they have to get to that place. And we have to be willing to allow them to feel the pain. We have to realize how low that that this younger son's pride took him. And he had to get that low before he came to that moment because sin blinds, it blinds your heart, it blinds your eyes. And he had to find himself in that light bulb moment. And a light bulb moment is that moment when you think to yourself, what am I doing? You have to have that moment. He had to have that moment to say, what am I doing? I don't have to live this way. I don't want to live this way. But he had to get to that moment. He had to admit, I have a problem. And he had to admit, I've got to do something about it. He had that moment. There is no rescue until you have that come to your senses moment. That's why it is so important when your family is going through turmoil that you're praying, that you are fasting you need to be praying lord let them feel everything they need to feel to come to that moment of realization that needs to be our prayer second corinthians 4 4 satan who is the god of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news they don't understand this message about the glory of christ who is the exact likeness of God. The come to your senses moments brings, I will go home. That moment when they say, I will go home. And what I see and observe in this scripture is that the father had left an open door The offending party was able to say, I will go home because of the way that the father showed love, the heart of the father. The the offender knew the heart of the father. He knew that he could say, I will go home. Not, well, I can't go there. I burned that bridge. I know he ain't gonna let me back there. But he knew The heart of the father. He wasn't going back expecting to return to, now he knew. Dad had rules. He's not going to change on that. But he knew I can go back. He went back. And it's really important for us to portray within our families the heart of the father to leave room for reconciliation. Biblical agape love gives room to make room for reconciliation to take place. There's four things that love does. Number one, love makes room. Love makes room. It sets the stage. Number two, love shuts no doors. Number three, love lifts one out. And number four, love rescues. The challenge for most of us in this is we operate out of the place of offense and we never make room for the return so then the return becomes impossible because the offense is nursed instead of healed when you find yourself in this place You need to be setting the stage. You need to be forgiving. You need to to step out and move forward. You've been offended. Don't nurse it. Start moving past it. Start setting the stage for reconciliation. Now, I'd stop here and say, we don't forgive other people because they've asked for it. We don't forgive other people because they deserve it. We forgive other people because we love ourselves enough to be able to move forward in healing. I'm not allowing that circumstance, that offense, to hold on to me and keep me bound. Because a lot of times, the person that offended you doesn't care. They'll be just as happy for you to waller in it. But love yourself enough to move past that, to be able to say, I am going to start healing. I am going to forgive. I am going to do this so I can move forward in positive health. And the only way for a a return, to make room for a return and, and healing is you have to work through the hurt, you have to let go of the offense, and you have to move beyond the past. His father saw him coming. His father saw him coming. He was ready. I imagine in my mind, every once in a while, he just looked around, hoping and imagining he would see his son one day. He had hope that he would see him again. He saw him a far way off, and he ran out to meet him. He was excited. He wasn't bitter. He was excited. He'd already worked through all that. He had already left room for reconciliation. He saw his son, and he was excited. And then he embraced him. There had not been an apology yet. He didn't know what his son was going to say. He didn't know why he was there, but he went and embraced him. He was thankful that he was there. And the father was operating from a place of health. Therefore, when times of restoration for that relationship came, the father was already ready. But then we read on, the brother had not done that. The brother wasn't ready for reconciliation. He had not set the stage. He wasn't excited. He was still holding on to the bitterness. So the question is, are you ready? Are you walking in emotional health? Are you walking in God's healing waters while you're in the waiting? It's not easy not knowing what's gonna happen, but you're gonna, I'm gonna keep moving forward. I'm gonna forgive. I'm gonna do what I need to do. In the waiting, it's a very difficult place to be. But don't waste the waiting. I love the song that we sing, He's in the waiting. And it's in that time that we need to be pressing into the Lord and receiving our healing during the waiting. Don't neglect today and waste your tomorrow. We have to invite God into our today and allow him to heal us, heal me, so that my miracle of tomorrow can happen. Are you making room for the today for today? for your tomorrow's miracle there's no guarantees he didn't have a guarantee when he set the stage if his son was coming he hoped he was he set the stage for it he was dealing with the hurt he took the uh and and allow god to take that pain and and that rejection he he took those things to the lord and then he walked in forgiveness and power there's three things, three things the father did. In verse 22, it says he brought him a robe, he brought him a ring, and he brought him sandals. Those represent the restoration of relationship. Restoration of relationship was possible because the father was already walking in emotional help.
0: Emotional health is so important for all of us and it's available through the word of God, through dealing with the disappointments in our life and allowing the Lord to reveal what he wants to do in us. So let spend the next few moments just talking about how can I respond. Let's make this personal. Maybe you find yourself in that prodigal situation. Maybe you find yourself being the prodigal. Christy talked about how in verse 17 it literally says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, let me encourage you, come to your senses. Have that moment of clarity in your life. The prodigal decided that he was going to say to the father, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Maybe you're the one running. Wake up. Write the word responsibility because it's important to take responsibility. It's important that we humble ourselves. It's important that we confess the wrong that we have done. Crossway's classic commentary has a a good comment on conviction leading to repentance. And it says conviction is the beginning but not the end. The step of turning has to happen. Many people lament Their circumstances, but they do not repent and turn from their circumstances. Therefore, they stay lost in the cycle of destructive behavior. The destructive behavior continues because there's lamenting and never a confessing, never an admitting, and never a humbling. Maybe you're the prodigal. Let me tell you go home. Go home. Go back to your loved one. Go back to your family. Go back to that situation where God has planted you. Return. Stop running. You can do it. Now let's talk about maybe you're the offended. Maybe you're like the father or the older son. Maybe you're there waiting for the miracle Write the word prepare, because this is so important. Prepare for the return. And what I mean by that is live in hope, live in prayer, live in readiness. Make room for the return. Notice what the father was doing. He had a lamb that was being fattened just for this occasion. Even before he knew, even before he realized his son was going to come home, he was preparing for the restoration of relationship. What are you doing today to prepare for the miracle that's coming down the road? What are you doing today to prepare for the miracle that you're believing God to perform, believing God to do? What are you doing today Go ahead and fatten the calf, so to speak. It speaks of anticipation. It speaks of preparation. It speaks of faith. Has love won the day in your home? Have we communicated our hearts or are we communicating our hurts? That is so important. Are we communicating our hearts or are we communicating our hurt? Finally, the last fill in the blank is this. Don't stop celebrating. Yeah. Listen, the father said today is a great day. We got to celebrate. It's a happy day. He was dead, but he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he is Go ahead and imagine what your celebration is going to be like when God does the miracle. Go ahead and imagine what type of party you're going to have uh, when that marriage is restored or that relationships are mended or that prodigal comes home. Imagine the joy that's going to fill your heart. Get ready for the party because God is going to bring a miracle to your life into your situations. Will you persevere through the pain? Will you believe God for a reconciliation? Or will we capitulate? Waiting till the miracle happens takes faith. It takes faith in God's promises. It takes faith in God's goodness. It takes faith in God's word. God has promised that if you raise your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord that God is going to bring them home. Do you have faith in God's word? If you find your family in conflict, I want to encourage you, hold on to faith, hold on to hope. Maybe your child is living a life contrary to the teaching of God's word. Hold on to the miracle happens. Do not capitulate. Don't change your views. Don't accept the dysfunction. Hold to biblical principles. Maybe addiction has stolen your loved one from you. Persevere through the pain. Hold on to the miracle happens. What I see time and time again, because the miracle isn't happening, and instead of praying and fasting and believing and waiting and persevering, parents began to accept the dysfunction. They began to applaud the dysfunction. They began to celebrate the dysfunction. Hold to the promise of God. God will deliver your child. God will bring the pot of prodigal home. God will work in their life. Believe him. Trust him. Don't celebrate the dysfunction. Believe in biblical truth.